0: Welcome home, you're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. I am so glad you tuned in the broadcast today and I believe you're gonna be glad you did. We are going together high into the mountains of Colorado. I love it up there. If you've never been, then come join me on this trip. Earlier this year, uh, I was invited by Brother Andrew Womack, who many of you know and love and receive great things from his ministry. He invited me to come and spend some time at their ministry, ministering to their school and to a great congregation that they had there in Woodland Park, Colorado. And we had such an outstanding time together around the Word of God and just in fellowship. It was it was amazing. It was wonderful. And I really want to share this with you. So for the next two weeks, we're going to be showing you a service that we're calling Pressed but not crushed. Pressed, but not crushed. There's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is you can't stop the pressure from coming. The pressure is on and pressure from all directions. And you probably already know that without me telling you, you've got pressure everywhere you look, financial pressure, pressure at home, pressure at work, pressure at school, on the job, in the ministry. We're pressed on all sides, but here's the good news. We don't have to be crushed by it. And that's what this message is about. It's going to take us a couple of weeks to get the whole thing in. So I want you to make sure stay tuned all the way through the end of the broadcast this week and make sure you get next week's to go with it because God is going to speak some things to you through the course of this broadcast that I am confident will bring change into your life. And you might very well hear the answer that you've been looking for, how to live pressed, but not crushed. Let me pray for you. Then we'll go right into the word. Father, I bless this television audience today in Jesus name. I thank you Lord for drawing them into this house, drawing them into your presence. We pray together over our time in the word today. And I ask father that it would speak to the heart, that it would answer questions and bring solutions into their lives. I bless everybody who's watching and listening to this all over the world. And we thank you for them in Jesus name. Amen. Let's go right now to Woodland Park, Colorado for part one oppressed, but not crushed. If you brought a Bible with you this morning, I want you to go first of all to the book of 2 Corinthians. We've prayed, I know the Lord has heard our prayer. We're in agreement today for good things. Insight from His Word. Eyes that see what He wants us to see. Ears that hear His voice. Hearts that understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. And I believe we can leave with that today. We're gonna look at several places in the Word. I'm gonna tell you right now, we're gonna wade off into some stuff. Man, we, we are getting in way over my head. I know that way above my pay grade today. But uh, I believe the Lord's got some things he wants to say to us. So let's begin here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to start in verse 7. <clears throat> it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Let me see the hands of all the earthen vessels in here this morning. We have this treasure in earthen vessels... That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. earthen vessel just simply means if you look it up, it basically just means a a clay pot, earthen it's made out of clay, it's made out of the dirt. If you look at it there's there's a there's a fragility, a fragileness, and a frailness that goes along with what he's saying here, and this is he's describing us, and he says, we've got this treasure in this. now don't be offended at this, but We've got a treasure inside just basically a cheap clay pot. Don't be offended at me. Not yet anyway. Wait, wait till later at least. <laughs> but that's what he's calling us. But he says that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side. Now I'm reading to you from the New King James. He says we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. He goes on and says, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, there's a big difference in this verse between the word but and the word and most people are pressed and crushed, perplexed and in despair, struck down and destroyed. You see what I'm saying? But not you and I, not Paul writing here. He says, yeah, we're pressed and we're hard pressed. The King James says, we're troubled, watch this now, on every side, but. See, you got to adopt this mentality, but. I believe I'm looking at a a room full of butts this morning, right? Come on, somebody. you got to adopt this mentality. Yeah, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Now, here's the question we have to ask. What is it that could possibly keep a cheap, clay, frail, fragile pot from being crushed. If it's being pressed on every side, like he said, it is. Isn't that what he said? Pressed on all sides. That's pressure. Anybody in this room know a thing or two about pressure this morning? To be pressed and pressured on every side. If you take this cheap clay pot that we're talking about, and you press it like that with constant and consistent pressure on every side, it's going to be crushed. But he says here, we're pressed and we're not crushed. See, I mean, we've got to understand that one of the main tactics of our enemy is pressure. It's pressure. Your enemy is, the accuser of the brethren, the adversary of your soul comes against you and I with pressure and his whole strategy is to apply this constant and consistent pressure, pressure, pressure from every angle all around you at all times, that's pressure in every area of your life, that's financial pressure, that's marital pressure, that's pressure at work, that's pressure at home, that's pressure in your extended family, that's pressure in your own body, sickness, disease, that's pressure pushing in on you, and Satan, his whole strategy is to push you, push you, push you until he can get you past that breaking point and crush you. That's what he's after, because that's when we do dumb stuff. That's when men and women, but talking to a group of men this morning, that's when you and I do dumb things. Is when we've been pushed and pressed to a point beyond our ability to sustain it. Are you with me so far? So, let's ask this question and answer it today. What is it that could keep a cheap clay pot from being crushed under the heavy weight of pressure on all sides? We've got we to answer that. Ask that and answer that. So this morning when we get into this, I I've, I've need to start with good news and bad news. <laughs> you want the bad news first? I know you did. The bad news is you can't stop the pressure from coming. Pressure's on. And you can't stop that. But the good news is you don't have to be crushed by it. You do not have to be broken. You do not have to be crushed. Would you like to know how this morning to be sustained through the pressure? So to do this, I want you to hold your place here in 2 Corinthians. We're going to come back to it in a moment. I want you to go with me back to the book of Exodus. And let's go to chapter 33. We've got to lay a foundation for this. And I believe that this is going to carry us on into this evening. I don't think we can finish all of this this morning. I think we'll need this service tonight as well. But let's just lay a foundation for it. Exodus chapter three or 33. Brother Andrew made reference to this last night, talking about this, this moment that Moses had in conversation with God. Moses had a moment, man. This guy had a moment with God. And I want to look at it here in Exodus 33. We're going to begin in verse 12, but you got to understand in the verses that are leading up to it. God has already had it with these people. And he told Moses, he said, look, y'all go on. I ain't going with you. That, that's the text Texan paraphrase of it. But he said essentially that I'm not going with you. You can go on from here, but don't, don't even count on me going with you. You bunch of stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. I want nothing to do with you. This is serious. So Moses comes to him in response to that. In verse 12, he's having this, like I said, a moment with God. And Moses said to the Lord, Exodus thirty three twelve. 12, he said, see, or in other words, now look, look, you ever had a, had a conversation that started with that? Look, come on, see this. That's what he's saying. See, let's, let's see this the same way. He said, look at this. Look, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. In other words, if, if you're not going, then who are you going to send? You telling me to go, but I can't go by myself. And he said, you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. You have said, yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also, watch this, found grace in my sight. Moses is quoting God to God. Moses has put God's words in his mouth and has given them back to God. He said, look. You want me to go, but you haven't told me who's going to go with me. And yet, on the other hand, you told me that you know me by name. You said you know my name. You said I'm not just a nameless face in the crowd. You know me. You know me and I know you. He said, so if you're not going, who are you going to send? And all the while, you said you know my name. And then he said this. Watch this. He said, you said that I found grace in your sight. Now, wait a second. Me standing here saying this, listening to this, looking at this, living on the side of the cross and the resurrection that you and I are living on, I'm looking back at this Old Testament guy. Is that what we're doing? Right? Come on, help me out, Bible scholars. Moses, is he Old Testament or new? (laughs) Old Testament. All right. I'm looking back at this Old Testament guy and I find out that somehow he got the grace that almost makes me mad. I'm looking at it going, what are you doing with my grace? But see, he found something. He said, you said I found grace in your sight. Moses found out that that's the only place grace is found is in knowing in how God sees you. He found it in his sight. And he threw that back in his face. Hey, you said I found grace. What's this about you leaving me? You said I found grace in your sight. Verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight. Consider that this nation is your people. And he said, God said to him, my presence will go with you. Just changed his mind right there on the spot. Now, now help me out again. Are we in the Old Testament or new? Now, you and I are living over here on this side of the cross, right? This side of the resurrection. But we're looking at a man living on the other side of it. And not only does he have my grace and yours, he just got God to make a, presence, a, a, a promise to him that said, my presence is going with you. I thought we were the ones that weren't ever left or forsaken. And yet this Old Testament dude, he's not only got our grace, but he's got the presence of God going with him. And on top of that, God said, I'll give you rest. This is really starting to make me mad. What's this guy doing with all the stuff that I'm promised through Jesus? Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But Moses, this guy living on this side of it, he's got my grace and favor. He's got the presence of God that was promised to me as a believer in Jesus, and on top of that, he's got the rest that belongs to me. I'm going to tell you something what's going on right here. Moses is coming dangerously close to a New Testament experience. This Old Testament dude is flirting with a New Testament God. And he's coming close. And I think you're going to find here in a second that he can feel that. He likes every card he's been dealt in this hand. Because this whole conversation started with God saying, see you later. I'm not going with you. And Moses got in his face and said, look. Quoted God back to him and it all turned around and he's got this promise of grace and this promise of the presence and this promise of the rest. He said to him, verse 15, Moses said to him, hey, look, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. How then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, fine. That's my paraphrase, but essentially that's what he said. Fine. Get off my back. Fine. I'll do this. No, what did he say? I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you. By name. Man, can you sense in this argument here that it's moving decidedly in Moses' favor? I mean, the momentum is on his side. And he has got everything he's asked for so far. And I think he could feel it. I think he recognized I caught him in a good mood today. And we're going to see here in just a second, in the very next verse, verse 18, you're going to see Moses. I said to you a moment ago, he liked the hand he'd been dealt. You're about to see Moses go all in. You're about to see Moses go all in. He's thinking to himself, I was not expecting all this. I got his grace. I got his favor. I've got the promise of his presence. I got his rest from my labor." I'm going for it. In verse 18, you know what he said? Show me your glory. Now, the Bible doesn't record awkward silences. But I think if it did, there'd be one right there. Because God essentially looked back at him and said, uh, no. Didn't he say he said basically look at look at what he said in verse 20. He said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Basically, God said to him, I could show you, but then I'd have to kill you. (laughs) God had another plan for him, though. The Lord said, here's a place by me. You'll stand on the rock and so it'll be while my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back, but my face, everybody say my face shall not be seen. So Moses While he's flirting, like we said, with this New Testament experience, walking this fine line between the old and the new, he's got the grace, he's got the favor, he's got the presence, he's got the rest. But when he went for it and he said, show me your glory, let me see your face, he was saying, let me see the part of you that makes you, you. I want to see that side of God that makes God, God. And that's when God said to him, no, you can't see that. You're getting too close to this to this experience that's reserved for another time. And he said to him, you can't see my face. So evidently, that's where the glory is. That's where the glory is. Now, there's two things that I believe would have killed Moses on the spot. Had he seen the face, had he seen the glory of God one of which i think you may agree with this right away is the brightness of it the brightness of his glory i don't think he could have stand stood that i don't i don't think i don't think he could have looked into the face of the one who said light be and in response to those words the glory shot out of him at 186,000 miles per second, spanning across the universe and is still creating at that same rate right now. I don't think Moses could have looked in the face of that. It would have burnt him to a crisp. Because when God said, light be, that's not when he put the sun in the sky. That was a couple of days later. He said, light be in the glory. His essence, the thing that makes him him, shot out of him and began creating, creating, creating at 186,000 miles per second. And Moses is like, can I see that? And God said, no. (laughs) But it wasn't, I don't believe it's just the light and the brightness of it. The word glory itself means Weight, it means heaviness, the glory of God. Look it up for yourself. It's defined by the presence of God that's heavy, heavy with everything good. It's weighty. There's a weight to it. Let me throw this in here right right here for a second. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. Stay with me. Stay with me. This is good. Okay, hold on you still have your place in 2 Corinthians? Let's go back there. Only this time, we're going to back up a little bit into chapter 3. And what chapter 3 is of 2 Corinthians is this New Testament view of what happened in the life of Moses that day. Okay? 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. Don't forget, we're talking about the glory of the Lord which is the brightness of the the Lord, it's the the heaviness. Watch this in verse seven, 2 Corinthians three. Let's read several verses here. He says, if the ministry of death, let me just pause for a moment. Those of you who are thinking of going into full-time ministry, this is a bad name for your ministry. (laughs) Ministry of death. (laughs) Don't go with that. You'll have nobody at your meetings, okay? Just don't call your church that. What small group do you lead? I lead the ministry of death. It's mostly just me. Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse seven. Look at it again. The ministry of death. What's he talking about? Written and engraved on stones. So if you and I were to have kept reading there in Exodus, you can go right into the next chapter. It's where God got Moses to take the tablets and he, where he put that New Testament law. And as glorious as that was from the New Testament perspective of it, he refers to it here as the ministry of death. The ministry of death written and engraved on stones. He said, if that ministry, watch this now, was glorious. Say the word glorious. Glorious. In these next few verses, I just want you to make note of how many times the word glory or glorious, something of that nature appears. Okay. He said, if that ministry written and engraved on stones was glorious. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? So again, this New Testament perspective, looking back on that Old Testament day. Now we know this, Moses saw something. Are we agreed on that? God said, I'm going to put you in this rock and I'm going to cover you up and my glory is going to pass and then I'll remove it and you can see what's behind me. And we know that what Moses saw was so great that the brightness of that so saturated him that his own face began to shine. Now we got to agree that he saw something. He saw something. But let me ask you, did he see everything? No. He saw something, but he didn't get it all.